today we continue our series through the book of Hebrews. Although, although this book can be a bit intimidating, the basic message is really pretty simple. The author wants us to understand just how much better we have it now that Jesus has come. Everything that happened leading up to Jesus, Moses and the Exodus and the giving of the law and the temple and the priesthood and the prophets, all of those things were wonderful. But Jesus is even better. You see, this this letter was originally written to a group of Christians from a predominantly Jewish background. And whereas Judaism was officially tolerated by the Roman Empire, to be a Christian was far less acceptable. So there would have been a constant temptation for Jewish Christians in particular to de-emphasize or to downplay or, or even to deny the distinctively Christian features of their faith. But the message of Hebrews is that with the coming of Christ, we've passed the point of no return. When it comes to the gospel, there's no going back. Jesus is the culmination of all God's purposes. And so to follow him is worth the trouble. You know, the word of God is... The Word of God is so often comforting and encouraging. We are so often assured of God's love and favor toward us. And and I think our, our sermon passage next week will be a great example of that. But thankfully, the, the Word of God is also challenging at times. Like any good father, our Heavenly Father does not affirm everything we think and do. Because he loves us, he is willing to speak the hard truths. Because he loves us, he disciplines us, and he points us in the direction of flourishing. Because he loves us, he warns us against running, or in this case, drifting into harm. That's what today's passage is. It's a warning against drifting. So this this sermon... It's not going to make for easy listening. But again, that's because our Heavenly Father loves us. Chapter 2, verse 1 begins with the word, therefore. So we need to back up and make sure that we have our bearings. Essentially, chapter 1 made the case that Jesus is superior to the angels in his being. He is not an angel, as some in the early church were teaching, or or as the Jehovah's Witnesses teach even today. Jesus is an uncreated being. He is God. The angels were created through him. In the words of Paul's letter to the Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is no angel. Jesus doesn't serve or minister to the king in heaven. Jesus is the king in heaven. Jesus sits on the throne in heaven. Therefore, it says in verse 1, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, 
lest we drift away from it. And why should we pay closer attention? Verse 2. If the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? If, if the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, then surely the message declared by the Son of God and King of Heaven will prove reliable. And if we were unable to escape judgment for neglecting the message of the angels, namely the law of Moses, then surely we will be unable to escape judgment for neglecting the message of the Son of God and King of Heaven. If the President of the United States were to deliver a message to you by way of the Postal Service, you would pay attention to that message, right? But if the President of the United States were to knock on your front door and deliver a message to you in person, face-to-face, you would, quote, pay much closer attention to that message, right? That's exactly what has happened. For 15 centuries, the people of God received divine messages via messengers called angels. But now, God himself has come into the world to speak to us directly, face to face. Jesus has knocked on our door to deliver a message. And so if it would have been foolish to ignore or to neglect God's messengers how much more foolish would it be to ignore or to neglect God himself? You see, the logic is is simple. Jesus is superior to the angels, and therefore his message is even more reliable than the message declared by angels. Indeed, the, the message of salvation, the gospel... It says, was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So Jesus preached the gospel message, and the reliability of his message was attested to by firsthand witnesses. And the reliability of his message was attested to by God the Father. And the reliability of his message was attested to by God the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Lest we drift away from it. The Greek word for drift away there, is used in other contexts to describe a boat that is is passively carried along with the current. We are warned against allowing ourselves to move along in the Christian life aimlessly. The Christian life must be navigated intentionally. The winds and the waters of this world will not naturally take us where we want to go. We don't arrive at a place of spiritual maturity by accident. We have to do the hard work of raising the sails. We have to keep our hands on the helm. As we will see, the author of Hebrews 
repeatedly implies that, that to drift away or, or to fall away from the gospel is a real possibility for followers of Jesus. And in this case, the, the drift is the result of negligence. We, we don't just wake up in the morning and find that we no longer want to follow Jesus. That's not, that's not how that works. Drifting and, and falling away is the product of failing over an extended period of time to take personal responsibility for your own spiritual formation. The gospel is, is wonderful news. But the gospel does not mean that because of Jesus, spiritual growth is now effortless. As followers of Jesus, we will have high seasons and we will have low seasons. Up seasons and down seasons. Seasons when God feels near. Seasons when God feels distant. Seasons of fruitfulness. Seasons of dryness. Seasons of joy and seasons of sorrow. But no matter the season, we cannot afford to be spiritually negligent. We cannot afford to neglect our salvation. We cannot afford to just go with the flow. We cannot allow other people to do all of the praying or all of the serving or all of the discipling. When we let down the sails or or when we take our hands off the helm, we drift. We drift. Now, In those low seasons, those down seasons, those dry and sorrowful seasons, we as a community do help one another to avoid drifting, to stay anchored. That that is part of the benefit of belonging to the church. But to be anchored by others ought to be a temporary thing. The spiritual progress and maturation of the church community is an all-hands-on-deck type of thing. There is absolutely grace for those working through seasons of difficulty. But the goal must be to eventually return to a place of strength so that we can help the person next to us from drifting when their season of difficulty comes. At the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. It's not enough to hear the message of Jesus. Building upon a firm foundation requires that we we put the teachings of Jesus into practice. We do them. We cannot merely hear the gospel. We must live the gospel. The message of Hebrews compels us to ask the question, in, in what ways have we become too passive or too stagnant in our faith? In what ways are we in danger of drifting? Or have we already drifted? And if you find that you've already drifted, what what would it mean for you to raise the sails again? What would it mean for you to put your hands back on the helm? 
I think too many of us have, have accepted the idea that, that the new covenant is a covenant without sanctions, meaning without any threat of judgment. We imagine the old covenant as, as heavy on judgment and light on grace, and the new covenant as light on judgment and, and heavy on grace. But that way of thinking has to be squared with the teaching of the book of Hebrews. It says we will not escape judgment if we neglect such a great salvation. His, his message is more reliable. And so we are more liable for how we respond to it. And that's not an anti-grace message because what we neglect when we neglect our salvation is grace. Grace is precisely what we're neglecting. Jesus has knocked on our door and delivered his message face to face. And so to neglect that message is a most serious thing. This is, this is not exactly one of Jesus' most popular teachings, but our gospel reading today came out of John 15. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned. I could could try to to soften this for us. Um, But for today, I I think to, to do so would be pastorally negligent. Please do not be a withered branch. Please do not be found among the drifters. Follow Jesus with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Follow Jesus not, not merely by nodding your head to the, to the right doctrine, but by being the living embodiment of right doctrine. Pay much closer attention, says the author of Hebrews. Let that mean whatever it needs to mean for you. Pay much closer attention. Brothers and sisters, you belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. So go deeper. Get to know him better. Be a faithful follower. Make your own discipleship a priority in your life lest we neglect such a great salvation. Pray with me. Gracious and holy Father, please give us the intellect to understand you, reason to discern you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, spirits to know you, hearts to meditate upon you, ears to hear you, eyes to see you, tongues to praise and proclaim you, a way of life pleasing to you, patience to wait for you, and perseverance to look for you. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.